All right, we're transitioning to the sermon. Uh, as you watch the video, uh, I hope you picked up on a theme of what was really powerful in our lives as we were in Mexico. Um, I mean, we knew that we were going to go and we were going to do this seminary project. We knew that we were going to go and be with kids and do this kids club, and that would be incredible, and God would move in that. It blew every single one of our minds about how the highlight of the trip um, was just being with the people in their homes, these meals. Incredible ministry was going on in the homes. And we were doing that throughout the week. Lunches, dinners, eight different houses, uh, and then we got to celebrate uh, the final day of our trip. We went and worshipped uh, uh, um, with all of them, the entire body, the entire church, and um, it was pretty incredible. Um, I'd like to share some of those stories real quick. I have the first picture, please. This is a, a lady named Betty. Um, I think Betty's a little bit before that. That's Rosario. If we can find a lady with a white shirt. I'll share Rosario's story. She's there. We'll find Betty in a minute. Uh, Rosario, uh, she's, a, she's an, a key member of the church, an, an older lady. Um, she passionately is pursuing the Lord. It's so cool to see how God is moving her life. But her husband wanted nothing to do with this Jesus, and he left her a long time ago. Um, but she remains faithful despite the hurt, and she's raising her family to honor the Lord. Uh, but her sister, or I'm sorry, her daughter, also named Rosario, um, does not know the Lord yet, does not trust in Jesus. Um, God's working on her. Um, she's interested, but she's just not ready, uh, so she says. But, so this group from Houston Church is coming over for dinner, and Rosario makes sure that her daughter is there too. So as we're celebrating and just enjoying this meal and just enjoying being together, we're just talking about how God's moving in our lives. And um, the older Rosario was able to share her testimony. It was powerful. And then we asked the younger Rosario about, you know, what, what's her story? And she shared a little bit. We, we could see God is moving in her life. Um, she just hasn't taken that step yet. And um, so then Walt stepped in. Y'all know Walt. It was pretty cool. He, uh, he started to share the gospel with her, but it wasn't in kind of your typical way. I mean, he, he saw what her strongholds were in her life because he heard her story. And so he shared a story of the uh, transfiguration where they go up on a mountain and um, um, Jesus is displayed in his full glory on this mountain. This guy's disciples and the disciples uh, wanted to set up a shrine there on the mountain. And, and Walt pointed out that Jesus said, it's not about a shrine or anything that you do or make. Jesus wants a relationship. And so he met her where she was at, and it was, uh, it was pretty powerful. <laughs> thought we, should, we were going to see her come to know the Lord right then and there. She didn't. Um, but God's moving in her life. And uh, it was also cool to see father and son team, Walt and Jonathan, translating, going back and forth. Um, but that's the Rosarios. Let's see if we can find the picture before that. Uh, there's Betty. Betty and Dr. Pedro. Okay, so this was the first meal we went to. Barbara Baker, she was nervous. Um, a lot of times teens come and at least a couple people on the team, um, maybe not the most mature, they see new things on the table, they say offensive things. Um, sadly, that, uh, that happens a lot in teams that go down. So Barbara's a little nervous because they're still building trust and making relationships and this church has never had a team before. She doesn't know Betty very well. Betty comes in late. Before, as the church starts, the church service starts, and she heads out early a lot. And so she doesn't even know if Betty's even saved. Um, fortunately, our team 
uh, not to brag, but uh, we a lot of great attitudes on our team, and so there were there were no problems, and uh, everybody had the right attitude, nothing for Barbara to worry about. But anyways, we get there with um, with Betty, and she starts sharing her story about how God's moved in her life, and she had a kidney removed, and this powerful um, story of how um, you know it looked bleak, but God reached in and um, and revealed Himself, and she said that you know she was so scared when she had this this uh, terrible prognosis, um, but she knew her neighbor down. The street the street, Dr. Pedro. And Dr. Pedro was a Christian. And Dr. Pedro had shown her love time and time again. And so she went over because of the relationship that she had with Dr. Pedro and, uh, she, and, and told her of her fear. And he was able to walk with her down the journey. And uh, she came to know the Lord through that. And she's doing great now. And she says, it's because of Dr. Pedro, my neighbor, who was there for me. And uh, we need to remember Dr. Pedro in our prayers because he's uh, on dialysis and has severe kidney problems and it doesn't look good. Uh, but we're able to go and pray for him uh, during that time. But anyways, it's because of that relationship um, that she came to know the Lord. So we had a wonderful time with, with Betty and everybody wanted a picture there with the big tree that looked like a massive pineapple. Um, so that's what that is. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, the, ba the bakers, because we, you know, things break down. When, when you, you come into somebody's home and there's a, you share a meal. And so the bakers were able to get to know Betty through this time as well. And uh, that's what, what Barbara was talking about, getting to build those relationships. And they've been there a year and a half working on this. But we all gathered around the table together and now they know Betty. Third picture. This would be Luis and Liliana. You saw the clip from the, uh, um, from the birthday party. Uh, that was a highlight for many of us. We just had such a fun time at this birthday party. And uh, just in case um, you didn't know it, Jonathan Baker, our, uh, our support missionary, um, he's a pretty funny guy. He knows a lot of jokes. He, he had the party going and going and going. But anyways, that's something else. So anyways, uh, um, we've never met Luis. It's his birthday. He invites us all in for his birthday. And, um, and we got to celebrate his birthday with him. That was pretty cool. Um, and he only invited one other person, and that was Liliana. They just recently met. They met at Salsa Dance. Class. You know, we were kind of joking. We we're like, "Hey, are we going to see a proposal tonight?" And we were just having fun with that. It was nothing like that, though. Um, he saw her as a sister in Christ that he just met, and we're not sure exactly where she is spiritually. So we think she's maybe she either hasn't trusted Christ yet or a baby Christian. And he's very concerned about her uh, her growth in Christ. And so he just invited her to come because he knew that we would be there and we'd be talking about things of the Lord. And um, I mean, she would she was able to be a part of that because he just said, "Hey, come and join us." so cool to see how God moved through all these uh, times just gathered together, just being together, relational. God does incredible things through relationships. If I were to take a poll around here um, about how you, you all came to Christ, I'm sure I would hear um, a few people say, um, you know, for a, a big crusade, like a Billy Graham crusade, or some, uh, they were just sitting in church, and all of a sudden, that God spoke through the sermon, and, and uh, it was that. I'm sure there's a bunch of those stories, but I'd be willing to wager that, uh, not that I'm a betting man, that, but that most of y'all, it was through a relationship. That there's somebody in your life that took the time to be with you and invest with you and, and, and show the love of Christ, and that's when you got it. Those tend to be the stories. I mean, God moves in relationships in powerful ways. Those three pictures I showed you, those three stories, um, 
none of those people did anything special other than just opening up their home and inviting people in and just spending time with people. We all can do that. We can all show the love of Christ through little things like that. So as we get deeper into the sermon, I just want you to consider and think, who are the people in your lives? Who is God giving you access to? Who do you already have some sort of a relationship with um, that you can just do little things to help them see the love of Christ and know God in powerful ways? We're about to get into uh, scripture now. Uh, today we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses uh, 35 through 42. And I'll give you a page number if you got one of these pew Bibles. Uh, pew Bible underneath, it's on page 1198. This is the Gospel of John. It's it's about three-quarters of the way through your Bible, and it's uh, the fourth of the Gospels, which tell the good news of Jesus Christ and his ministry here on earth. Uh, but we're going to be looking at the very beginning of the Gospel of John. Uh, Jesus had come to the world. He had just begun his ministry. His ministry began when he was baptized. And all of a sudden, um, he started to reveal who he was to certain followers, to the disciples, and um, and they started to follow him, and his ministry had begun. So we, we are going to pick up um, at the very beginning of his ministry. And before I go any further, let's, let's pray for as we receive the, the word of the Lord today. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we can know you through your word, through this Bible, through Holy Scripture. And God, I just pray that as we spend this time together, that it may be you that speaks loud, and not necessarily me, Lord. I want you to we want you to move in our lives as we come to know you through your word. Amen. All right, so as we look at John chapter 1 today, uh, beginning in 35, we're going to see a series of three different relationships. And in each of these three different, um, or interchanges, there's going to be an interchange in a relationship. Um, as we look at each one of these, uh, we, we will discover a different thing that we can learn about how we can show the love of God through relationships. So let's look at the first one. It's going to be verses 35 through 37. Jesus has just been baptized. Again, the next day, John was standing there with two of his disciples. Gazing at Jesus as he walked by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So who are the characters? Well, it says John. We're talking about John the Baptist. It's rather fitting that he would be the one doing this. Uh, we know uh, John the Baptist, um, just as, I mean, God had, I mean, Old Testament spoke about one who would come who would prepare the way for the Lord. John's whole mission uh, was to proclaim that the Messiah was coming and that the time was at hand. And so, I mean, his whole mission was to point to Jesus. And here's the moment. Jesus is walking by, and he's got these two disciples who had been following John the Baptist and learning from him, and he said, you've been with me, but there's the one you're looking for right over there. It says he gazes at Jesus, and he points out Jesus to them. And at this point in our, our, our scripture, these disciples are unknown, but we, we will find out later that one of them is Andrew. And we're going to find out that Andrew is kind of a key character in our three exchanges here today. So anyways... I gotta say, I'm a little jealous of John here, because I love to have this kind of moment. You know, I think about all of my friends, and I want them to know Jesus. How cool would it be if I'm, I'm telling them about the Lord, 
Tell them about the things of the Lord. And, and just when they're getting to that moment where they might, may or may not be ready, Jesus goes walking on by and saying, hey, he's right there. There is the Son of God. There is the Savior. There is the one who you want to commit your life to as Lord. That would be pretty cool. I wish I had that. Um, but we don't, have, we don't have it quite like that. But that doesn't mean we can't do this. Um, how can you help people gaze at Jesus? How can you help point out Jesus to people in your own lives? And I think there's a couple ways. Uh, I think the way we act, that's one way that we can help people gaze at Jesus. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to share the love of Christ in our actions. And though we will never live up to the love of Christ perfectly in our lives, um, we can still give people glimpses and foretastes of who he is. You know, you think about a piece of glass. It's like we're all a piece of glass. Um, people look through us as those of us who are in Christ and hopefully see Jesus. You know, sometimes I look at a piece of glass and it, it's crystal clear. You can see straight through and you know exactly what's on the other side. You, uh, you get a little closer and you see that, there, of course, there's dirt and all that on it, but you can tell what's on the other side. Other times... Um, when you haven't paid any attention to those windows for a while and the storms have come through, uh, we can kind of make something else on the other side, but you really can't tell what it is. And I think that's how it is with our lives, too. Um, see, in order to be saved, it doesn't, it's not about what we do. It's just about a relationship. But God still calls us to, to, um, to love like Jesus and to do the things of Jesus. And so when we love people to the best of our Abilities through the power of the Spirit, and when we do things like service and humility, then all of a sudden that glass becomes clearer, and people can see through our lives, and they can, they can get a glimpse of Jesus. Um, so we need to be conscious of that, and making that image clearer in our lives. So we can help people gaze at Jesus by living it, but also by sharing it. Uh, deeds are important, but so are words. We, we talked in the video about how powerful it was. Every single one of those meals, Barbara and Jonathan had their family share their testimonies. Their testimonies. And uh, we were able to see how God moved in their lives, and it was powerful. Some people on our team had shared testimonies before. Some had not. A bunch of us came out of our comfort zones and uh, shared during this week, and it was a very cool experience. Delane shared during the, the church service. She gave her testimony at the church service at um, Kamunida Biblical Church last Sunday. It was powerful. Um, a lot of the ladies, or on Saturday of last week, um, there was a women's gathering and a men's gathering. And a lot of our ladies shared their testimonies during that women's gathering. And the men, Josh, shared a powerful testimony uh, during the men's gathering. People were able to see Jesus, when we talk about how God has worked in our lives. Um, you know, a lot of times, I mean, we, we're gathered here, so most of us are interested in what God's word has to say, but if I go to my non-believers outside of the church and I start saying, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, they don't care what the Bible has to say. But when I start sharing my stories and start pointing out how God has worked, uh, all of a sudden they're interested. It makes a huge difference. So we can help show people Jesus by living it and by sharing it. That's the first exchange. Let's look at the second one. 
It goes on in verse 38. The disciples are now following Jesus, these two disciples. Jesus turned around and saw them following and said to them, What do you want? So they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated to teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. Now it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So you see from the title back here, Come and See, I think that's a, a huge theme of this passage. And um, Jesus himself says, Come and see here. Um, I love the series of questions that are in this exchange. Uh, Jesus sees them following and he says, what do you want? I can't help but think that, um, that Jesus has two meanings here. I mean, I'm sure he, he's just, because uh, they don't really know what they want, but I'm sure he's just kind of, you know, throwing them a bone and saying, hey, what do you want? Why are you following me? What, what's, your, what's going on here? What are you looking for? But I think he's also kind of baiting them and challenging them. What do you want? What are you really seeking in this life? If you're following me, are you looking for the, for the great things that are in store? I think, uh, well, we'll never have the advantage of being able to do this like Jesus, once again. Uh, I think I look at this, and uh, I think we can also challenge people, and that helps people see Jesus. If I see people who are finding, spending all their time in you know, drugs and alcohol and, and, and other things that, that, that don't satisfy, I'm like, what are you seeking in this life? Where do you find purpose and meaning and joy? Because um, I tell you what, there's only one thing that can truly satisfy, and that is my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus, because um, that, that can fully satisfy. I think we can challenge people and throw things out like that. So he throws that question to them, and how do they respond? They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Well, I don't think they have any other intentions in their question other than, so Jesus, where are you going? But the writer of this gospel, John, he's brilliant. And he uses phrases all the time um, as, he, as he tells the story of Jesus. Um, it's so cool to see how things have one meaning, but he's, he's actually using it to tell a bigger theological meaning. So this, the term that the author uses here for where are you staying, that's the same term for abiding and, and really residing. So you, know, you think about the Gospel of John, and you're like, I am, the, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever remains in me will have eternal life, will bear fruit. Um, so right now, we may just be talking about, hey, where are you staying? But the gospel writer here, I mean, he's using this very common question to speak powerful theological stuff. So, I mean, I think we can, our everyday conversations uh, about what's going on in our lives, they don't have to be loaded questions, but we can, or loaded conversations, where we're planning to, to do this, this, and this, um, but if we take everyday conversations, I think that we can use them for greater purposes to share God's love and just kind of interweave it in there. So anyways, they ask Jesus, where are you staying? And how does he respond? Come and you will see. You know, I guess he could have said, well, I'll be preaching 
tomorrow night down at this part of the sea, and you can come and you can come and hear what I have to say. It's uh, it'll be Sunday morning from 10:30 to 11:30. I'll see you out there. Could have done that, uh, but he says, "Come and see." He invites them into his life and be with him. This isn't just a glancing moment. Um, he wants to actually show them his love, and it's good to invite. And we want to invite um, to church or whatever. But when we really invite people into our lives and uh, invite them for, for longer periods, that speaks volumes, I think. Jesus says, come and see. And then he walks with his disciples. So in the first interchange, we saw that um, we need to show people Jesus. In the second one, we saw we need to invite them. Inviting's good. We need to have a culture of, in, of inviting people. Invite people to the church. To church. Invite people to your homes. Um, and I think we can do more. And I love what happens in this, this last little interchange. <clears throat> Being in verse 40. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two disciples who heard what Jesus said and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So what happened here? Andrew's excited. They've been looking for a Messiah. They've looking, been looking for the one who would come to deliver them. And, and Andrew's found him. And so what is the first thing he does? He runs to his home. He goes to his brother Peter and says, We found him. But he doesn't just say it. He brings him to Jesus. We need to also bring people into the presence of where the Lord is. Um, you know, I look at this, and I'm thinking, well, sure, that's easy. I mean, I know about Peter. Peter started the church. I mean, Peter was one of the greatest of the apostles. I mean, Peter is like one of the heroes of the New Testament. Peter's awesome. I'm sure Andrew looked at as soon as he found the Messiah, and he's thinking, huh, well, i got to tell Peter, because he's going to be a great leader and follow Jesus as well, and this is going to be really easy. Well, it could be something like that. But when I look about what the Gospels have to say, Peter, it sounds like, sounds like uh, he was pretty rough around the edges. I mean, he's pretty, uh, he doesn't always get it. He's, he's always getting into trouble with Jesus, and Jesus has to rebuke him. At one point, he even cuts off a guard's ear right before Jesus is taken off. And uh, Peter does all sorts of things that you're like, really? Um, I don't, I mean, we don't know for sure, but I'm, I'm thinking Andrew is looking at his brother Peter and thinking, okay, this is my rough around the edges brother. And uh, if I tell him this, is he really going to come? Is it really going to make any difference? All speculation. But you know what? When it comes to pretty much anybody in my life, I, I tend to start thinking, if I invite them, if I go and tell them, if I try to bring them, they're going to reject me. They're going to tell me why they can't do this. They're going to tell me I'm crazy. They're going to tell me, stop pushing your religion on me. I mean, that, those are the things I start thinking. <coughs> um, but God is at work in Peter's life. I don't know if Andrew knew this or not before he went and got Peter. God is the one, you know, God is mighty to save, as the song we just sang goes. God changes hearts. God changes lives all the time. And you never know until you take that step and go up to them and invite them, show them 
bring them. Andrew was always bringing people. I mean, it's so cool. You look throughout the Gospel of John, and I didn't even realize this until I did this sermon, because Andrew's name doesn't come up a ton, uh, but every time his name comes up, he's bringing people to Jesus. I've got another slide here that kind of shows the other two occurrences um, where Andrew's referenced. One of them is John 6, 8, okay? John 6, 8, this is the feeding of the thousands. And the boy shows up with, with the, the loaves and, and the fish, and Andrew brings the boy to Jesus. Now remember, I mean, we know that a miracle is about to happen, but I'm, I'm thinking that, I mean, the disciples had no clue. Five loaves, two fish, what's going to happen? Andrew brings him to Jesus. The next one in John chapter 12, this is the beginning of the Passion Week, and Jesus is about to be arrested, and, and, and all that's going on. And a bunch of Gentiles come, and Andrew brings them to Jesus. Brings them to Jesus. I mean, that was just what Andrew did. He brought people to Jesus. I'd love to, to be thought of in the same way. That would be really cool. Um, how do you need to bring someone? I mean, we can bring people to church, but it also could be as simple as bringing people into your lives. What about small groups? Uh, now, we've got about a bazillion kids in our small groups, so easier said than done. Um, but, you know, there's outside-of-the-box ways to bring people into community and to see community and see the, the family of Christ at work who do you need to bring? Um, stats rise dramatically when you move past just inviting people and you actually bring them. Um, I don't know exactly what the stats are for inviting. I'm thinking it's pretty low, 15, 20% based on the number of people I've told about church who never show up. Uh, but 100% of the people you bring will be there. Look pretty good eyes. 100%. I stole that from the guys at the Goodness Festival. But, um, so we need to bring people. I've seen some of y'all already doing that. Uh, Tam Shrum's not here today, so I'm going to pick on her. I got her permission yesterday. But, uh, you know, I've been involved in the ministry at, at Redlands College for a while, and I've made relationships there. I've invited people. Uh, but, I, you know, I didn't really push it because I didn't, didn't want to be too pushy since it was multiple churches involved. And, so, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to be pushy. Tam shows up one day, and she meets my friend who I've known forever. Well, not forever, but months. And uh, she's typical Tam and, and showing love in a typical Tam way. And then she says, hey, uh, church is this Sunday. I'll pick you up at this time, and we're going. And he was here. And he had a great time. And it was that easy. And I felt pretty dumb. <laughs> now, my defense, I get here really early on Sunday mornings, and I don't think he would want to come as early as I do, right? Well, <laughs> my wife says, <laughs> uh, but don't we all come up with excuses about why we can't bring people? There's, all, there, there's ways to work around things. So I'm thankful for Tam, and... Uh, she doesn't hold back. She just uh, invites and brings people, and I think that's great. You know, I was in college, and I've shared about how that was a very influential time in my life. I'd already come to trust Christ as Lord and Savior, but I just stayed a baby Christian and kept living the things of the world, and I didn't really get it. Freshman in college, and I'm kind of superficially around this college ministry, and I'm having a retreat. 
And uh, okay, I'll sign up for the retreat. Sounds like fun. I know I want to do these things. There's a lot of parties going on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, whatever. But I, I want to go to the retreat. Well, they're leaving on uh, Saturday morning or Friday morning. And um, I went out and partied the night before. I was out late. Um, my alarm, I don't know if I said it or not, but it didn't do any good if it did. And I woke up, and it was like half an hour past the time that we're supposed to assemble to go on this retreat. I'm like, I screwed up. I missed it. Can't go. They're going to be so mad at me. They're going to tell me, you know, I'm irresponsible. And, I mean, they probably should have. They, they certainly could have let me have it. No refunds. And, uh, you know, we'll see you later. And I called, and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm still in bed. I just woke up. I'm not going to make it. And she's like, and the college director said, what's your address? I'm sending two guys to go pick you up. And they brought me to the retreat. And that retreat was one of the real powerful moments where I really came to know the Lord. Because somebody took the time, uh, forget all the other stuff, to actually bring me. Because I tell you what, I just shared what was holding me back and the guilt and the shame. Most people, if they don't know the Lord, and we invite them to our church, and we try to get them here, Satan is working at them. Satan's throwing everything he's got to give them excuses not to come in, the, in these doors and to come sit here. And that Satan's going to do the best he can to make sure that they, they have an uncomfortable experience when they're here. So we need to do everything we can to just show the love of Christ and to invite and to bring and just welcome to our community. It's powerful. Powerful when we do that. Very cool story that I recently heard of. Um, that applies to what we're talking about. So I'm going to invite a guest up here. If I can get a Claire Emery to join me up here. You're up here a couple times today. How's it going? Good. Y'all know Claire? Claire, could you tell us uh, what was the setting of this very cool story that you're about? Um, I went with the youth group to FM 419. FM 419. We've talked about the Good News Festival a few times in here. They've got, uh, you know, Franklin Graham's coming to town uh, to the Coliseum to share the gospel uh, end of August. And so they have training uh, to prepare counselors for this. And we held the Christian Life and Witness course here. Uh, for the adults, but FM 419 is a youth-oriented version to do the same thing. And it was like the last session of the day, and we were all sitting there, and we were all tired and ready to go. And I sat next to Summer Guthrie, and then they gave us these um, printouts mm -hmm. that had like a, a list on them, and we were supposed to write down people that we thought needed to come to Christ, or like our friends that we wanted to see more active um, believers and such. What went through your head when they asked you to do that? And I was just sitting there like, we're going to pray for him. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, a typical church. You know, like, <laughs> this, this is what we do every time. It's not going to be any different. Hey, could you show the, uh, the slide here? So, uh, so then what happened? So then um, I wrote down some names. And then they said, okay, look to the person on your right or left and pray with them right now over your two lists of names. And so me and Summer did that for our, our people on the list. And, and we've got your, your card up there. We blurred out the names. Um, but, but you're probably thinking, are you, are you expecting 
results anytime soon? No, I was not expecting any results, and I certainly not as soon as I, I heard about them. Yeah, that's what I would certainly be thinking. Maybe over time, over months or years, God would, would, would break into their lives. But that's cool that you prayed at least. So what happened with the first person on your list? Well, that was Saturday night, and then um, Sunday morning while I was at church, I got a text from the first person on my list, and she she was like, hey, guess what? And I didn't reply because I was at church, and we had like a lunch afterwards for Haiti or something, so I didn't reply until late in the afternoon, and I was like, hey, what's up? Sorry, I've been busy. And she said, well, this morning I was at church, and I I don't know, something just happened. I just really understood it, and I just, I just want to tell you that I came to know Christ, and I'm so excited about it. That's incredible. And that was crazy. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story, is it? No. And then, the second person on my list, um, I went and hung out with the girl, and like, we were talking about it, and she was like, she was just so excited. So then she took a friend to, um, it was like First Baptist Church, it was like they had like their uh, Oh, they had a revival week, or yeah. And so yeah. she took one of one of our friends to it that night, and the second person on my list, ironically. And then we hung out again the next day, and she said, "Claire, guess what?" And I said, "What?" Not expecting anything else, because I was like, "Oh, that's going to be cool, you know." One person, I was like, "That's that's going to be it." And then she said, "The second person on my list, he came to know Christ last night," and I was just like. You're joking. And she was like, no. And so then I told her about like what happened and she was like, you're kidding. And I said, no. And she was like, wow. Like, we were like, wow, God's so cool. Wow, it really works. Yeah. Uh, so what would you like to tell the church? Um, that really actually believe that it works because it does. And if you really do pray and you believe, then it really does change lives. And it's really cool to see how God has worked in my life. Well, thank you, Claire. We don't know how God moves. I mean, all of us will have people in our lives that we pray for for a lifetime, 10 years, however long. Um, God may break through, maybe not, but he's capable. We need to believe that. And this is a very cool example, close to our home, close to our lives, of, of, of God moving. So, Good News Festival, we've mentioned that time and time again. Uh, it's getting close, August 22nd and August 23rd. We talked about a transportation plan. Uh, I don't, we don't have the details yet, but maybe we'll just have a caravan. Maybe we'll be able to get some buses. Uh, we're kind of seeing what we, the biggest bang for the buck. Um, but if, if you want to bring people and have them as part of that transportation plan, because then you're... You know, you're able to have conversations in the coming and the going as well. Um, August 22nd is the uh, youth-focused evening for the Good News Festival. They'll have skillet there, so lots of loud, fun music. Um, but the 23rd, Mike W. Smith, a little more easygoing. That's a little more family-focused. So we're going to try to figure out transportation options for both. Um, so I hope you get on board and are able to go and be a part of that. It's a great opportunity to invite and to bring people. The gospel is going to be um, presented in a powerful way, and then we have the opportunity to follow up, to walk with people um, after that. Um, but I'll tell you what, this sermon wasn't just to, to talk about the Good News Festival. Um, that's an incredible opportunity, but we have opportunities in our lives all the time to, to show them, 
invite them and to bring them. So, if you look under your seats, uh, I included a there, there's a bring a friend card. This is what the festival comes up with. It's uh, the adult version of the uh, FM 419 one that Claire showed you up there, and uh, they call it Operation Andrew. Now you know why. Um, even if you're not coming to the festival, let me encourage you to think about who do you need to put on that. Who do you need to put on that list? Who do you need to be praying for? Who do you need to be intentionally spending time with and bringing them into your lives? Because God moves in powerful ways and we're able to do so. Let me pray. God, we thank, thank you that you are mighty to save. You work in powerful ways all the time. Are we willing to be used by you? Lord, open our hearts. Guide us to love our friends, love the people in our lives in these ways. I'm thankful for um, Claire who shared this morning and, and just gave us a powerful encouragement um, that you do need in our lives and in our relationships. And we offer it all to you.